0: So good to see everybody today. Glad you made it. I'm glad you're here today. And uh, hey, if you're new with us, my name's John. I'm lead pastor here. And especially if you're way in the back, thanks so much for, for being uh, with us. And I hope you can make uh, some kind of visual contact. But thank you uh, for the team bringing it together. Hey, uh, I just want to say our mission is loving and leading people to life-changing connection with Christ. But that also includes Kids. And so I just wanted to share with you some good news, and that is that next weekend we are reopening CP Kids. I'm so (laughs) grateful that we're finally able to do that. And I would, I would just say, you know, I'm grateful to our team that's stepping up to say, we're going to make it happen. We got to make it happen. Our kids matter to the Lord. We want to make sure they're growing up in Christ together. And if you've thought to yourself, I would love to be a part of the solution around here, just sign up for CP 101. That's just the way you can uh, get into any different way you want to serve, including with, uh, with our kids. But anyway, so I was, uh, I was, I was uh, doing a meeting. I had to go to a meeting down in San Diego a little while ago, and I went with Pastor Glenn Pryor, and we were going to be heading back, and I just said, hey, you know, let's let's hit someplace for lunch before we go, and, and what do you, do you like uh, Eggs Benedict? And he said, yeah, I love Eggs Benedict. I'm like, okay, then we got to go to the 101 diner in Encinitas, right, because and I was talking it up. I said, you look, they've got 17 different kinds of Eggs Benedict. It's unbelievable. And I mean, they, they had this chorizo Eggs Benedict. They got a tri-tip Eggs Benedict. And somebody didn't have breakfast. You're feeling very hungry right now. But, but it was like, so I'm talking it up. And he's like, all right, I'm in. Let's go. And we got there. We got there a little late, about 1 o'clock or so. But they still had a table for us. And, and I'm like just salivating over the menu. Not, not literally, don't worry, I didn't get anybody sick. I, but I'm just like, I'm excited about all these 17 different kinds of Eggs Benedict. And, uh, and, and then uh, I, the, la- the lady came by, Krista, and she said, all right, like, what would you like to order? And I said, well, I'm here for the Eggs Benedict. And then she shook her head like this. I'm like, well, wait, what do you mean? And she said, no, I'm sorry, uh, we're all out of hollandaise sauce. If you know anything about Eggs Benedict... It's pretty much hollandaise sauce, right? And so she said, no, you can't. I said, but there's 17 kinds of them. I have to. And she said, no. And I said, could you please ask the chef if there's any way? She goes back to the kitchen. She comes back and says, the chef says, there's no way. There's no more stuff left to make it. And, and I'm, I'm, she walks away, and we're thinking about what else we can order. And then I asked Glenn, I said, well, hey, do you know, what is hollandaise sauce? I mean, it's good, but what is it? What's in it? And he started rattling it off. (laughs) He's like, well, you got to have a little bit of lemon juice. You got to have a little bit of mayo. You got to have a little bit of herbs and spices. You got to have, he's telling me what's in it. Anyway, Krista, the waitress, comes back to the table and said, hey, can you do me a favor? I'm just wondering if you might be able to bring out to me right here a small bowl, a clean fork, some mayonnaise, some lemon slices, some herbs and spices. And I'm going to go ahead and make my own hollandaise sauce. And she did. She brought it out there. She brought it all to the table for me. And right there on the 101 highway at the side, look what I made. I made some. I made some hollandaise sauce. I just <laughs> did it. And it was. I mean, if you zip, zoom in on it, it, looked good, right? And and if you check out these eggs Benedict, you wouldn't even know that it didn't come from the chef himself. I mean, I think it looked pretty. Well, that wasn't the, that was the one, right? I mean, it looks right, it looks right. It didn't quite taste exactly right, but it looked right anyway. (laughs) But I just, I was sitting there, I told Glenn all about these eggs, Benedict, and it just, I couldn't not have it happen. It had to happen. Come on, somebody say it had to happen. It had to happen. When I think about, when I think about just this mentality of making it happen, I think about the Apostle Paul. And this series that we've been in, in the book of Colossians, it focuses in on the work, really, of the Apostle Paul and the Holy Spirit through him. But the Apostle Paul had this mentality of, it had to happen. There's no churches over in Thessalonica or Crete. Or Colossae or Ephesus, and the Apostle Paul just had this it had to happen kind of mentality. And so he's going in person or he's sending a team to make sure that there would be a church that would be established so that people could know the love of God and be in community together around the power and presence and love of Jesus. (laughs) Like that, it just had to happen. Say it again it had to happen. It had to happen, and when we read through the book of Colossians, what we're really seeing is the fruit of the work of a person yielded to God with the it had to happen kind of mentality, and we're going to turn there now, and I do want you right now to open up your Bible to Colossians chapter 4, and we're going to be there in just a moment in verse 7, but what we're seeing in this last section of Colossians in chapter 4 is a little bit of behind-the-scenes kind of view and we're going to read through these verses, and you might at first blush just find yourself thinking, well, this is a little interesting. I don't know what this is all about, and you might read it and go, I don't know what this has to do with me, but interesting, right? But I want you to to let your heart be open to what you're really seeing, because what you're really seeing in this part of the Bible is a sneak peek behind the curtain of the movement that we're a part of now when it was first beginning, and it's Kind of like a who's who in this section of the Bible. Like a who's who in the church of Colossae. And it details really the beauty of what can happen when God's people just keep saying yes to being together. To doing the work of the ministry together. To being there for each other. To caring. To praying. To ministering with one another. And it's powerful. It's beautiful. And this is... Uh, This is what we're going to see as we're diving into Colossians chapter 4, verse verse 7. So just bear with me. Long bunch of verses with a bunch of names, but let's go. Verse 7. Tychicus will give you full report about how I'm getting along. He's a beloved brother and a faithful helper who serves with me in the Lord's work. And I've sent him to you for this very purpose, to let you know how we're doing and to encourage you. I'm also sending Onesimus a faithful and beloved brother, one of your own people. He and Tychicus will tell you everything that's happening here. Aristarchus, who's in prison with me, sends you his greetings. And so does Mark, Barnabas' cousin. As you were instructed before, make Mark welcome if he comes your way. Jesus, the one we call Justice, also sends his greetings. And these are the only Jewish believers among my coworkers. They are working with me here for the kingdom of God. And what a comfort they have been. Epaphras, a member of your own fellowship and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends you his greetings. And he always prays earnestly for you, asking God to make you strong and perfect, fully confident that you're following the whole will of God. And I can assure you that he prays hard for you and also for all the believers in Laodicea and Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved doctor, sends his greetings, and so does Demas. Please give my greetings to our brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church that meets in her house. And after you've read this letter, pass it on to the church at Laodicea so they can read it too. And you should read the letter I wrote to them. And say to Archippus, be sure to carry out the ministry the Lord gave you. Here's my greeting in my own handwriting. Paul, remember my chains. May God's grace be with you. All right, so you see what, what I'm saying, right? It's a, it's, a, it's a part of the Bible that you read through and you go, okay, what does all this have to do with me? I mean, a 10 or 12 old names that I can hardly pronounce in a place that I don't really feel like I care about, right? But I want you to see big picture what, what this really is. This is God revealing How crucial it is that we experience being a connected community in Christ. And if I just kind of zoom out big picture, what, what I would say is there's an invitation here for every one of us to be a connected community in Christ. That's carrying the mission of the kingdom forward. And that was what I wanted to use as like the main idea of my message because I like the alliteration, right? Be a connected community in Christ that's carrying the mission of the kingdom, right? I wanted to say it like that. But as I was thinking about this, I had to kind of move over a little bit to more of where I am. And as I did that and thought about what we've been reading right here, what I come to is this conclusion And it's a resolve. It's a declaration. And it's just this. It's God's grace and God's crew are the way I'm gonna make it through. I want you to just say that phrase by phrase, kind of after me so that everyone who can't see the screen can say it too, but say it. God's grace and God's crew crew. are are the way I'm gonna make it through. That is what I see in the big picture of of what I've just read, and and I'll tell you why. And the way I'm going to deal with this scripture today is I want to start at the end and work my way back to the top. And what we saw at the end were just a few words, but, man, it's important words, and it's just simply these words, may God's grace be with you. In verse 18, may God's grace be with you. Come on, somebody say, may God's grace be with you. You know what is happening here is the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is finishing what he's written here just the same way he started. Because he started out at the very beginning of the book of Colossians saying, May God give you grace. And then he's finishing with, And may God's grace be with you. And the grace of God are the bookends for what we've read in the book of Colossians. Month, the grace of God are the bookends for this whole deal. And I'm grateful for that, that, that what I'm seeing here is, is that there's grace from the start, and there's grace to the finish, and there's grace for everything in between. And in your life and mine, there's grace from the start. There's grace to the finish, and there's grace for everything in between. But in the book of Colossians, I'm grateful for the bookends. You know why? Because in the middle of the book of Colossians, we got a whole lot of Hey, you you, got to go for this and go for that and make this happen, make something else happen. I mean, I don't know if you remember, but there was one message we did where in Colossians chapter 3, there was a list of 17 different things just from six verses that God was calling us to. And it could feel a little overwhelming, right? Like, wow, there's a whole lot that God's saying, hey, come on up, go for it. And I'm grateful that in all of our going for it, the grace of God is the foundation, There's grace for you. There's grace for me. And this this, uh, promise from God's heart is available to every one of us. May God's grace be with you. Say it again. May God's grace be with you. you. Yeah, so what is it? The, The grace of God. The grace of God you probably have heard this before. It's in the dictionary, but undeserved favor. And in a biblical sense, yes, absolutely. That's a great place to start. God's grace is the undeserved mercy and goodness and kindness and favor of God that he gives to you and me just because he wants to. Not because he has to, and definitely not because I earned it or you earned it. But God's Character and nature is that he wants to. It's his predisposition to treat those who come to his son with faith by giving his grace and mercy. So get that clear in our minds first that God's grace is his mercy, his kindness, his love, his goodness, and his favor that he gives to us because he wants to. Not because we deserved it. Somebody ought to say amen. I'm actually very hopeful about my life, and it's not because I'm doing it right all the time. It's because of who my God is, as the one whose heart is to give me grace. I mean, these aren't just words from a, a, a page in a book. These are words inspired by the Spirit. They reflect what God actually wants for you and me. It starts with, may God give you grace. It ends with, may God's grace be with you. And I say yes to the grace of God, God's grace, and God's crew, are the way i'm gonna make it through but let's make sure we have a good thing a good sense of what grace is and we start by getting that it's this undeserved kindness mercy goodness and favor of god but sometimes we we think of of grace a little bit like a sin blankie do you know what i mean like oh i sinned but that's okay because i have my sin blankie my grace blankie right and And it's, you know, it's okay because on one hand, yes, God's grace covers us when we sin. But we got to keep in mind that's only one aspect of the grace of God. We got to make sure we understand what the scripture actually says about God's grace. And what we find is that God's grace is the heart of God coming through to us in a way that allows us to be transformed. God's grace is, is an action, an energy, a force of God, an expression of God coming our way that empowers us to live differently. I mean, this is what I find in Titus 2.12. It says God's grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. Like that, That's the grace of God that it activates something different inside of me than the original operating system that I had. God's grace does that. I find in scripture that God's grace is is something that comes from the heart of God that's able to satisfy me and to satisfy me when I need it most. The Apostle Paul in Corinthians 12, 9, he talked about how he was having such a hard time. And in the middle of having such a hard time, God spoke to him and said, I want you to know my grace is sufficient for you. The hard time actually is going to continue for a bit. But in the midst of that, I want you to know my grace as something sufficient. That is, it can satisfy you. It can tip the scale in a whole different department that allows you to be changed. That's the grace of God that does that. Paul talked about the, the time when he was working so hard. First Corinthians 15.10. He says, I've been working so hard, but it wasn't actually me. These are the words of Scripture. It was the grace of God that was at work in me, on me, through me. This is what God's grace can do, can bring an energy, a strength to you that takes you far beyond what you alone could do. Come on, say amen. That's what we all need. This is not just a Sunday morning church thing. This is all of life kind of a thing. There's grace for you. And the grace of God is always available. Always. The scripture says in Hebrews 4.16, it says, all right, then let us boldly approach God's throne of grace with confidence that we might find grace and mercy to help us in our time of need the grace of God is always available and it provides help anybody need any help of any kind for anything you're facing <laughs> and it's available at every turn the grace of God allows us to find the help that we need it's the strength energy Force and presence and expression of God coming our way, changing us, filling us, satisfying us, lifting us, energizing us, giving us an ability to to persevere. This is what the grace of God can do. There's grace for you. I want you to look at somebody sitting nearby you and just tell them there's grace for you. You didn't say it like you meant it. You said it like you felt bad for them. (laughs) Say it like you mean to Tell them like a declaration. There's grace for you. Yeah, there's grace for you. And there is. There's grace for you. There's grace for you. No matter what, there's grace for you when you're not setting your sights on things above, like Colossians 3.1 said you should. There's grace for you when, you when you all you can see is the difficulty right in front of you. There's grace for you in that moment. There's grace for you when you've given in to temptation and you're lying there on your bed feeling guilty and ashamed, there's grace for you that's going to come and wash off the guilt and shame and allow you to rise in the forgiveness of Jesus that is yours. There's grace for you when you've crossed the line and you're over here. You don't know if you could ever come back to God, but there's grace for you. Grace that you're tethered to is going to keep reeling you in back to the presence and power of God for your life. There's grace for you when you've messed up in your marriage with your husband with your wife and there's grace from God for you to see that relationship restored there is grace from God for you when you're not feeling strong enough and that grace of God brings an empowerment the energy and strength of God to lift you up There's grace from God for you when you just feel like quitting. You just feel like giving up because you can't go another step. But the grace of God comes along and energizes you. And all of a sudden, step number 97 and a half happens and you're going for it again. There's grace from God for you. In the back, would you just say there's grace for you? There's There's grace for you. I mean, this is where this ends. There's grace for you. But let me ask this discipleship question. Where do you need the grace of God to show up in your life right now? I want you to just think about this. Think about it. You don't have to say it out loud, but where do you need the grace of God to show up in your life right now? Specifically. And maybe it is in your marriage. Or maybe it does have to do with work. Or maybe it is about what's going on with your kids, but where is it? And now, here's what I want to challenge you to do. I want you to find another believer who really knows the Lord. And later this week or today over lunch, I want you to answer this question with each other. All right, where do you really need the grace of God to show up in your life? And look at each other in the eye and just say it out loud. This is where I really need the grace of God in my life. I mean, there's, there's something about just being able to say that. Like, that's where I need God's grace to show up. And here's the second part of what I want you to do. Pray for each other for God's grace to come in exactly that place. Could you please do that? This is part of what we do as disciples. We don't just listen to a talk once a week or once a month or whatever it is. We get into it with each other. And we take that word of God and we let it go deeper. We live it out. We apply it into every way we can with one another in community. Because it's not only about you. It's also about God's crew that's surrounding you. I rattled through those names pretty quickly, but I hope you saw what we didn't yet say, which is that it's the crew that's part of how you're going to make it through. God's grace and God's crew is how I'm going to make it through. But I'm not ready to go there yet. Verse 18, the whole verse. I, got, I still got to work on the last verse for just a minute longer. Is that okay? Okay, so verse 18, it said it like this. It said, here's my greeting in my own handwriting. Paul. I want to see that. I want to know, was it messy? Or was it doctor-like? Or was it (laughs) author-like? What is it? Anyway, Paul, remember my chains. May God's grace be with you. Wait a minute. Remember my chains. Why don't you read that verse out loud? This part of it. Just this part of it. Ready, go. Remember my chains. May God's grace be with you. Remember my chains. Wow, Paul, that's pretty dramatic. (laughs) But there was something about that that had to be said that that the the spirit of God inspiring Paul with what he was writing in this moment was compelling Paul to make this statement to everybody remember my chains as in Paul saying look no rose-colored glasses here I am in jail and it's tough This is not the circumstance I really wished to be in. If I was writing the script for my life, I would not have included the chapter where I was whipped and beat up and thrown into chains and put in jail. I just wouldn't have included that one. But nevertheless, that's where I am right now. Remember my chains. And I appreciate this fact that Paul isn't. Wearing rose colored glasses, that he's dealing with the reality and the struggle of it and the difficulty and the challenge of it. But in a sense, Paul is saying, Look, even though I've been in chains, it hadn't stopped me from telling people about Jesus. Even though I've been in chains, it hasn't stopped me from living for God and serving God and bringing the message of hope that's available through him. Remember my chains. It's like as though the Holy Spirit through Paul is saying, I know, I know, I know. You got, you got some hard things going on at work. I know. I get it. Things are tough with, it, with your kids right now. I get it. You got a challenge in your health. I get it. But you're not alone in that. Remember my chains. I got my stuff too. But I'm not letting the difficulty of my circumstances keep me from being used for God's glory and making something of God's goodness known in this world. I'm not letting the challenge that I'm facing keep me from charging hell. I'm not letting the difficulty that I'm going through stop me in any way. I'm keeping on going forward in the grace of God, and it is the grace of God that allows that to happen. Sometimes The the perseverance is actually the miracle. Sometimes it is the endurance that comes through the grace of God to keep going that is the miracle. And I wanted the miracle of all the bad stuff going away. But sometimes God's answer is, but I'm going to get you a different miracle. And it's the miracle of you keeping on going even though it's hard. And what I wanted to tell somebody today is sometimes the breakthrough is living in the reality that the hard things aren't breaking you. I'm going to say it again. Sometimes the breakthrough is living in the reality that the hard things aren't breaking you. And it comes through God's grace and God's crew. That's just what I see here in the scripture. God's grace and God's crew are the way I'm going to make it through. And, And so... The crew is crucial. We're going to jump back into uh, the verses that we read through really quickly. The, f- the first, <laughs> all the rest of them. And, and there's all those names, right? 10 or 12 names that are hard to pronounce that I'm not recommending if you're pregnant and wondering what to name your son. It's not <laughs> Archipus, Okay, just saying. But, but, it's, but it's nevertheless, it's a picture of the crew of God's people in this one church in Colossae and how vital it is to experience not just watching a church service, but being connected in that community with the crew of God's people. It's part of how God's goodness and grace is going to come into your life so that you can be made whole, so that you can experience the comfort, the encouragement, the prayer, the strengthening. And and as you're, you know, looking at these names, just reading through these verses with me, I want to ask you a question. If your name was written here what would it say about you okay if your name if this was a, a mention of the of the center point church in murietta and it was rattling off some of the crew would your name even be on the list that's a good question does anybody know you are you shoulder to shoulder with anybody would your name even be on the list and if it was what would it say i want you to just think about that that would be a good discipleship question And uh, with that in mind, I'll just go through. I want you to see some of these people. These are God's people. These are your cousins back in the day, if you can take it that way. But it said in verse 7, okay, let's start with Tychicus. Another name I'm not recommending for your child who's on the way. Tychicus. Although that one, tick, that would be kind of a good nickname. I don't know. (laughs) Hey, (laughs) Isaiah Campbell, don't get any ideas. Don't do it. Don't do it, all right? Tychicus will give you a full report about how I'm getting along. He's a beloved brother and a faithful helper who serves with me in the Lord's work. And I've sent him to you for this very purpose, to let you know how we're doing and to encourage you. So, so this is the first name on the list, Tychicus. And, and what is said about him is beautiful. That there's something about Tychicus that has been such a blessing to Paul because Tychicus was willing to say, Paul, I'm right here for you. Whatever you need, I'm there. I'm shoulder to shoulder for you, with you, alongside. And even if it gets hard, I'm sticking around. And you're not alone, Paul. We're in this together. And you can almost sense the love that Paul had because Tychicus was just part of his crew and can you imagine how everybody else in the whole church in Colossae probably felt about this guy Tychicus? He was probably the one when they saw him over there, they'd be like, oh man, it's going to be a good day. Tychicus is here, you know? And, and what a blessing that is. Don't ever take it for granted. Because what I see here from the Holy Spirit is that Paul and the Holy Spirit didn't take it for granted. That It needed to be said. It had to happen. Somebody had to say, hey, let me just tell you how awesome Tychicus is. I mean, that's what I see here. It's beautiful. And then in verse 10, or sorry, 9 rather, it also says, I'm I'm sending also in Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, one of your own people. He and Tychicus will tell you everything that's happening here. He'll tell you everything. I don't know this for certain, but I'm guessing that if if Paul is saying he's going to tell you everything, God's trusting that Onesimus is a communicator and he can uh, get the message across. He can be trusted to be faithful with his words. He can uh, be relied upon to communicate well and make sure there's clarity. And what a gift that is when people in the body of Christ have that kind of an ability to clearly communicate what's going on and what people need to know and how people can be a part of it. And, man, it's a blessing. That guy, that cousin of yours is a blessing. But I wonder who around here would be like an Onesimus. That would be regarded as a faithful, beloved brother. I mean, if somebody is thought of as beloved, that means something, doesn't it? Right. Like something about Onesimus. Like he was the one who, you could, you could, if you had a hard, hard week, you wanted to find Onesimus. Because you know he would be the one to be able to look at you with real empathy. And really feel your pain alongside of you. I know I'm reading into things a little bit here. But you have to sometimes let the Holy Spirit give you a a sense of what this is all about. This is the crew. You you don't do this Christian life without the crew. I mean, that's part of why this is even here. I mean, why would the God of the universe decide in his book, he wanted these 10 or 12 random, hard-to-pronounce names just for all eternity mentioned because of who they were particularly themselves, but also because of what they exemplify The importance of the crew of God's people, God's grace, and God's crew are the way I'm going to make it through. And Onesimus is part of it. In verse 10, Aristarchus, who is in prison with me, sends you his greetings. And so does Mark, Barnabas' cousin. As we were instructed before, make Mark welcome if he comes your way. Okay, so Aristarchus, wow, this brother is a brother who's willing to go to, to prison with Paul. To say, Paul, if you're going through it, I'm going through it with you. If it's getting hard for you, Paul, I'm with you. There's such solidarity. Don't you wish that you could find some people that would have a sense of solidarity with you when you're dealing with the hard stuff? That's part of what God's crew is for. And, uh, and then there's the mention of Mark. Now, everybody knows the gospel of Mark, Right? And we like the Gospel of Mark. What a great book of the Bible. but did you know that there was a time when Mark was a pain in the butt to the Apostle Paul, and that Paul didn't like him, didn't like him so much that he didn't want to have anything to do with him? It's in the book of Acts. It, it, it's in the book of Acts, there's this moment where Paul and Barnabas have this big falling out because Barnabas is saying, "No Mark is good, he's good. He's, he's all right." And Paul's saying, no, he's no." And it got so bad they parted ways. Barnabas went this way, Paul went that way. But what I see here is a little bit of a redemption story. Because here, Paul is saying, and you know what? I know everybody knows about what I said about Mark and how bad it got. I know. But we're good now. Like, there's a place for him in my heart. There's a place for him in our circle. He, he's part of God's crew, too. Let me just say it. It's beautiful. It, it, it's a work of the Holy Spirit. And when we talk about the crew, like the community of God's people connected together. We don't have rose-colored glasses about that. We recognize sometimes it gets difficult. Somebody rubs us the wrong way or outright does us wrong. But we're hopeful that there's a way in which we can have our Mark, Paul moments of redemption too. Or we can go, all right, I've worked through it. And forgiveness is happening. And, and he yeah, bless him if he comes. That's good. Let me ask you. Who comes to your mind when I'm talking about this? Is there a person? Because I hope there would be. If there'd be a person that you'd say, yeah, you know what? I cut them off, done with them. But maybe God's saying, yeah, yeah, but let's see about that. Let's see about whether you can live out a, a kingdom reality that includes possibly a redemption moment of some kind. Yeah, and then in verse 11 I said, Jesus, the one we call justice, also sends his grace. Wouldn't you love to have seen that moment unfold? Hey, what's your name? You're new here. Oh, my name's Jesus. Oh, (laughs) yeah, let's maybe call you justice, you know, just to avoid confusion. (laughs) Jesus, the one we call justice sends his greetings. These are the only Jewish believers among my co-workers, and they're working with me here for the kingdom of God, and what a comfort they've been. These are the only Jewish believers. These are the only believers that we shared the exact same spiritual lineage with, and you know what Paul's acknowledging is you know what, in the whole body of Christ, yes, there's a lot of diversity of backgrounds. Of You know, we got people that came from a Presbyterian background over here, or we got some people that moved out of a Catholic background over there. We got some people that uh, come from a, 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 you know, a Mes- Methodist over here. But whatever, Th- there is also something about recognizing, yeah, but there's these particular people that we shared the exact same spiritual lineage together. Like, you might even have somebody like that. Maybe you're one who has been around the block a few times, and you're going, oh, man, these brothers and sisters right here we were in Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa together and we've tracked every step of the way right to this moment and it's special and it's like as though the Holy Spirit is saying yeah it is and that's okay it doesn't mean you don't also make room for everybody else who God brought you to be in a connection with and a fellowship with but you also cherish where you have that very special connection with each other and, and you're allowed to like oh man we went to school together and we shared every moment in chapel together. And, and, and so we have the same stuff inside of us. And, and yes, every, we love everybody else too. But man, there's something so, so comforting about these particular people for Paul. In verse 12, I hope you're not getting tired on me. Because these are your cousins I'm talking about. <laughs> Verse 12, Epaphras, a member of your own fellowship and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends you his greetings. He always prays earnestly for you, asking God to make you strong and perfect, fully confident that you're following the whole will of God. And I can assure you that he prays hard for you and also for all the believers in Laodicea and Hierapolis. Say, he prays hard for you. Come on, everybody in the back in the sunshine, say it. He prays hard for you. He He prays hard for you. Like, there's this one guy, I mean, everybody's praying. We all know everybody prays. But there are some people in the crew that God's tapped on the shoulder with a gift of intercession. Like, their deal in the kingdom is just to just keep on praying and seeking God for somebody else. And, and it's vital. You know what? I want to just tell you some things right now. Some of the things about Center Point Church that delight me take place when nobody's looking. And that nobody really sees. Like, for example, we have a prayer ministry that every single Saturday morning for decades now gathers at 7 a.m. Sometimes it's been 30 people. Sometimes it's three people. But right now it's about a dozen people. And starting back in March of last year, they stopped meeting in person. And it's by Zoom. And my wife is a part of it. On Saturday mornings, it's an hour and a half, sometimes two hours. And so I hear it. I'm not part of it, but I walk by. And man, I walk by and I hear these people on a Zoom call out loud through a speaker going, Heavenly Father, I'm praying for whatever's going to happen at Centerpoint this weekend that people would get a touch from God. And this one brother's like yelling into his computer screen. And he's praying hard for you. Right? And that's just one example. I think about this time, I don't know, about 10 years ago. I was going through a hard season, and uh, this group of, of three or four older women in the church said, Hey, Pastor, we feel a tug from God. We want to pray hard for you, and we'd like to come to the office every week on, a, a I think it was a Wednesday lunchtime, and, and we're going to bring you lunch, and then we're going to pray for you. And they did. They came every time, gave me a burrito, and let me talk about my troubles, and then they took 45 minutes or an hour, and these three or four ladies just prayed hard for me. I mean, I'm not just talking about that, God bless John, help him, amen. I'm talking about like for 45 minutes just going, God, he needs you. Do you know what it feels like to be on the receiving side of something like that? When you're standing there quietly, but someone is taking your burdens and going, God, she needs your touch. God, she needs your power. Somebody's got to be like a path Somebody needs, if I could put it like this, an epaphras anointing. (laughs) Somebody needs to just be the person who could pray hard for somebody. And thank God for them when you find them. Because they lift your spirit. They help you get out of the dark. But maybe somebody today, that's actually who you're meant to be. And you're wondering, why do you feel so detached? Why do you feel so disconnected from purpose? Because God is wanting for you to rise up like an Epaphras. Be on the prayer team. Be the one who, when I say, hey, if you need prayer, go to the tent in the back. You're there. mm, Ready. Oh, God, let me, let me, just let me pray hard for somebody. It's beautiful when that happens. Chains get broken. Apparently not Paul's chains, but somebody's and then and then what he prays for matters he says he prayed that they would they would be strong and he prayed that that they would be perfect that means that they would they would grow up and mature part of the problem that i see in the body of christ is that we 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 just end up too many of us just kind of staying immature in our faith we just said yes to Jesus, and then we said yes to coming to church once in a while. And that's about it. And that is not what God's best is. And so what Epaphras was praying for is that they would be perfect, mature, like growing up for real. And that they would be follow. it says, following the whole will of God. Man, don't you know how important it is to follow the whole will of God? We get ourselves into trouble, into a bunch of mess when we don't, and I want there to be people praying for us, praying hard, that we would all be following the whole will of God, I'm praying for that for you, I hope you're praying for that for yourself, I hope there's an Epaphras somewhere in our crew praying that for each other, and, and then it said, let me just keep going, verse 14, Luke, the beloved doctor, he sends his greetings, and so does Demas, everybody say, so does Demas, so does Demas, Doesn't seem like a big deal. Seems like, oh, just one more of these weird old names. But listen, in in 2 Timothy 4.10, it describes how Demas is this guy who deserted and abandoned and betrayed Paul. Holy Spirit knew that was going to happen. And nevertheless, Holy Spirit inspired Paul. Yeah, put his name in there, Demas. And I think maybe it's because even though Holy Spirit knew, yeah, Damas is going to have this moment where he's going to just b- betray and abandon Paul. But nevertheless, he too is part of the crew. Even though he was literally Paul's Judas, <laughs> he's part of the crew and he's going to be mentioned. And I wonder if maybe we're going to see a redemption story on that one in heaven one day. I, ho- I kind of hope so. In verse 15, it said, and please give my greetings to our brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church that meets in her house. I want to mention something about this. When the Bible talks about uh, this woman, Nympha, as the person who had a church in her house, it is an an acknowledgement that this woman was the leader of that particular church that's just the way the scriptures are written and this is one of those examples that you need to kind of highlight and recognize God's looking at this daughter of his and her name is Nympha and saying I gotta make sure everybody knows about her she had a church in her house she was the leader of one of the early churches And it's just beautiful to see that mentioned by a specific name. And then in verse 16, after you've read this letter, pass it on to the church at Laodicea so they can read it too. And you should read the letter I wrote to them. And say to Archippus, be sure to carry out the ministry the Lord gave you. I want you to read this verse, what's on the screen right now, out loud. Ready? Go. And say to Archippus, be sure to carry out the ministry the Lord gave you. Okay, Archippus is one guy back then. But could you just let this be a word from the Holy Spirit to you right now? Because back in the day, it was like as though the Holy Spirit through Paul is saying, Archippus, there's something so good inside of you, but it's not going to do the good that it's meant to if you don't live it out. Archippus, there's good that's supposed to happen in the body of Christ that we're missing out on if you don't step up. Archippus, you have a destiny, a calling, and a purpose, and right now you're, you're kind of uh, on the sidelines, but that's not what I wanted for you. Archippus, there is goodness that is meant to come through you. Step up! Yeah. And I think it's just as much of a word to somebody right here, right now. You might be on this campus or online, and God's saying to you, this is for you. Be sure to carry out the ministry that God called you to. Do you hear that? Be sure to carry out the ministry that God called you to. I had a moment. I was a college student, and I was just helping out at this church. And I was in the fellowship hall after the service, And people were finishing up their coffee, and I was just, you know, whatever. I was 20 years old and didn't know what I was doing, but I'm stacking chairs and pushing them against the side of the wall and picking up dirty coffee cups and throwing them away, that kind of thing. And this guy, Ken Callis, walks over to me, and he puts his hand on my shoulder, and he looks right at me. And Ken Callis had these really big bug eyes anyway, and so it made the moment super intense, right? He just (laughs) looks at me kind of like this, and he's like... He's like, John, you need to consider being a pastor one day. And, and it was like, I, I, that was the farthest thing from my mind. But God used that moment. It, it was kind of like this moment that's written about to whoever Archippus was. Be sure to carry out the ministry that God gave you. And I'm passing this along to somebody right now. God's looking at you in the same way the Holy Spirit was looking at Archippus saying, it's time, let's go. God's grace and God's crew are the way I'm going to make it through. We need to receive the goodness of God's crew and be a part of the goodness of God's crew so that his grace can be flowing in full measure. All right, so verse 18, that one part of it, just one more time, it just said, may God's grace be with you. I want you to say that out loud one last time, say it. May God's grace be with you. I wanna pray, let's pray together. God, I thank you for your grace. And I pray, Father, for somebody right now who needs an activation of your grace uh, to receive it. And so while we're praying together, if you're here today but you would just say, "Ah, there's stuff going on that I can't even mention but I need God's grace. In, in a special kind of way, in a powerful kind of way. If that's you, anybody, you just say, I definitely need God's grace to show up this week. Just raise your hand, would you? Anybody, I mean, I got my hand up. Like, if you just start going, I need God's grace to show up in my life. Just raise your hand. Maybe it's in the relationship. Maybe it's in the deal at work. I don't know, but keep your hand up a minute. And God, you see us, we're your kids, your sons and your daughters. And you said that your heart was for our, our lives to be marked by your grace and we need it. So I'm asking for a flow of your grace into bodies, circumstances, relationships, financial issues, people stuff, everything. God, I ask for a flow of your grace that would just change everything. God, let your grace come. Thank you, Lord, that I know it's your heart. You had said it in your word. May God's grace be with you. And so I want you with your hand raised and everybody else, you just say, there's grace for me. Say it. There's grace for me. One more time, close your eyes and say it. There's grace for me. One more time, say it. There's grace for me. One more time, there's grace for me. You can put your hand down. Thank you, God, for your grace. Thank you, God, for your empowering, life-changing grace. Thank you, Lord. And now, God, I pray also for somebody who's here today or joining online that truth is you need God's grace, but you need to know that God's grace comes through your faith in Jesus Christ. You turn to Jesus, you don't know what to do, but you just turn to Jesus. And you put your trust in Him, and He's, he's giving you His grace. He's saving you, and the, the moment you turn to Him, but, but turn to Him, and maybe right now for somebody, this is the turn to Him moment once and for all. Or for somebody else, truth is, you gotta you got turn back to Him, and you need to give your life to Him, rededicate your life to Him. If you're with me right now uh, on campus or online and you would say, I need to do that. I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to say yes to Jesus. I need to put my trust in Jesus Christ once and for all and ask him to forgive my sins and save my life. If that's you, I want you right now to just raise your hand up with me. Just raise it up. That's you finally saying, I need to cross the line. I need to ask Jesus to forgive my sin and save my life. And if you're joining me online, you just type into the comments, I'm giving my life to Jesus or click the button I'm committing my life to Jesus and you pray with me in this moment and say Jesus Christ I give my life to you I'm asking you to forgive my sins and save me Jesus I'm asking you to be the Lord and Savior of my life from this moment on Jesus I'm yours and you are my Lord and Jesus is in your name I pray and we all say together amen let's stand up together why don't you stand up and as you're standing up stretch for just one second we're not leaving don't bolt for your car quite yet all together would you just join me and just say just say it with a strong voice together God my life is yours just say it God my life is yours one more time just say it God, my life is yours. And Lord, we give you glory with our lives. We desire to live lives where you are supreme over all. That that wasn't just the title from a sermon series at church, but it's how we live our lives. Jesus supreme over all in my life. Jesus, supreme over all in my emotions. Jesus, supreme over all in my work. Jesus, supreme over all in my beliefs. Jesus, supreme over all in my city. Jesus, supreme over all in my country. That's how I want to live. Jesus, supreme over all. And God, our lives are yours. And so we're trusting you, God, to make your goodness known in and through our lives. And we all pray in Jesus' name and just shout together, amen. 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 Let's worship, let's sing to Him.